Good evening. You are listening to the Big Screen and Brews podcast with Jared and Jared. I'm Jared Buck. And I'm Jared Newmaster. And our special guest this evening is one Mr. Clayton Oath. Clay, you want to... Hello! It's me, Clayton Oath. I'm here. That's that's appropriate, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good... Being here is awesome. Anywho, uh, this is our first show this year. We've been on a, what, five-month hiatus? Yeah, it's been a while. Six month? I really don't know. I forget when our last show was. But uh, things seem a little bit all over the place this week. We are we just actually upgraded to a soundboard. We have like more professional mics that we've bought. And uh, Anywho, uh, we kind of mentioned last time we were going to do Coppola. And this is kind of an unannounced show. But most people have seen The Godfather, so I don't think anybody's really going to give a damn that, you know, you, know, it's like, you yeah, really have to prep for that. But we're going to be covering the Godfather trilogy, one through three, mainly probably focusing, believe it or not, on three, just because it's... And we, uh, we have a format change, if you're a, if you're a current listener. Our, our new format is um, as, as, few as, one, uh, as few as one new current movie, and um, yes, he's opening Some good the beer. ASMR there. Yeah. yeah. Free sound effects. All right, so... Um, it's one current release, and, um, and then we're going to follow it with the marathons of filmmakers also. Um, since we're doing Coppola, we decided to do the three Godfather films all together. You know, we'll just have a little longer show this time, and then some of our next shows might be a little less lengthy. Yeah, we're, we're kind of aiming for more of a 30-minute show, uh, one of the major complaints. Well, I mean... It definitely was length. That we was, should just be 45 minutes. Yeah, but. 40. I mean, yeah, we're going to try to aim below 45 minutes if we can do that. Usually, uh, a lot of people listen to these on commutes, so if we can kind of get it into a commute time, I think that's going to be ideal. Uh, whether it's like half, you know, if somebody has a 20-minute commute. Instead of like an hour and a half. Yeah, hour and a half is a little too much. Yeah. And I know you guys love us. Not really. Basically, just Daniel Mills again. Shout out to Daniel. And I've also heard just from other people that they thought the, the podcast itself was boring. But then again, these people probably had no wow. idea. I mean, that's fine. Uh, you know, I, I take credit. I enjoy it. Oh, thank you, Clay. I'll that's, just put that out there. Thank you so much. I'm totally not sucking up. No, it's being the guest. No, but. I mean I, that's another thing too. With SoundCloud, I was always able to like be a creep and see where people were listening. And like number one, it was like user Clayton Oath Pittsburgh, PA. And I was always <laughs> like, oh, <That's>, Clay's <laughs> Clay's actually listening to us. Oh yes. But uh, and we also didn't get any local brews this time. Uh, make sure to support your local breweries wherever you are. There are four in Evansville. But uh, we just kind of pulled some stuff out of the uh, the fridges downstairs. I, myself, am drinking a uh, 2017 Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest, which I really like their Oktoberfest this year. They change it each year. What, do you, what are you drinking, Clayton? Um, I'm drinking a ne- Necra. Uh, it's Three Floyds Scottish-style ale. Uh, I am not... As literate in my beer stuff as you guys, so uh, do you have any comments on... Is that an APA, or what did you say it was? It's a Scottish-style ale. Oh, Scottish ale? Yep. Can't say I know anything about Scottish ales. The the bruise is just to make it sound like it's cool, honestly, as far as the name. How about you, Jared? What are you drinking? I am drinking Dogfish Head Saison de Boeuf, which is a collaboration with uh, Stone Brewery and Victory also, so... Yeah, I guess if this is more of a a, uh, a beer podcast, I could talk about what a Märzen means as far as the Oktoberfest flavor you get in October and the tradition of that. 
but this isn't really a beer podcast. It's just an excuse for us to drink while we do this. That's why it's in there. But <laughs> That's great. I'm, I'm all here for it. All right. Yeah. You're here for the beer and to talk about Francis Ford Coppola. But we're also covering... Did you already say we're talking about it? Yes. Yeah. We uh, are currently covering it for our new movie. Yeah. We just saw that last Friday, and we will probably cover that at the very end, I think, unless you... Yeah, we could totally do Coppola first. Let's go Coppola. Yeah, let's do that. And then, do you know how to say the Italian? Is it Mashidi? That's how I would say it. That's what my German would make me say. Andy Mashidi. I, I would think it was. I would think it's Mashidi. Mashidi. Oh, the director. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like no, I, I have only read. I always hear I before E is the E, but once again, that's Mashidi. Mashidi. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, he's an Italian. I'm assuming, and we're talking about the uh, the ultimate Italian movie trilogy. Anywho, we'll go ahead and jump into Godfather 1972. Really don't want to focus on this one too much. Uh, if you've never seen this before, this is like probably in the top ten movies that you need to see before you die. Uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Wasn't the original choice to direct. I think they actually went after Leone first, which we actually have covered last year, if you listen mm-hmm. to that. All three of you. But, uh, anywho, Coppola ended up getting the job. Um... It, uh, I, I, you know, it's famous for having Pacino, Brando, Khan, Duvall. I mean, it's just, it's just the power. Oh, who's who? Just a, a tour de force of names here. Yeah. But um, chime mm-hmm. in anytime, fellas. S- uh, Sterling Hayden's in this also. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, the he's the cop, police officer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's, he's, he's the cop that gets well. Yeah. Anyway, Talia yeah, Shire. Talia Shire, which mm-hmm. is actually uh, Francis' sister. Take, uh, oh, that's right, yeah. Ava Goda's in it. I keep forgetting that. The oh, yeah. Sequence. Yeah. It actually has Sofia Coppola in this as well, but she's a baby. She's Talia's baby in the movie. Her and Carlo. That's right. Did you know that? Really? Now you do. It's fun yeah. trivia. Yes, I think I did know that. Yeah. So technically, she plays a different character in two different Godfather uh, movies. They retconned her. Hmm. Yeah. Sweet. Isn't that neat? Anywho. But, like I said, this is one movie, if you've never seen The Godfather, and, like, you know, I've talked to people, like, oh, I've actually never seen The Godfather before. Like, one of one of our better friends, Ethan Helpert, hates The Godfather, thinks it's boring, which, you know. That's weird. I'll have to have a little yeah. conversation. I'll get a baseball him. bat and go after him. Yeah. Godfather, might have Godfather style. Offer he can't refuse. Yeah. <laughs> of beating him up. But, uh... uh I was gonna. T- oh, kind of talk about. Uh, apparently, there was a. I don't know if it was a podcast series or like an open, kind of an open mic. I forget who was running that. I don't know if it was like a university or something. But they had uh, all the basically surviving actors from the, the Godfather series on stage talking, including mm. including Coppola, and uh, you know, kind of talked about just them butting heads with Paramount and them not seeing eye to eye on basically anything like they didn't want Pacino for this movie and now it's kind of hard to think of oh, yeah. this movie without Pacino apparently Khan was originally cast in that role and then you know Pacino <laughs> was was lined up to do another movie do you know what movie that was I forget De Niro ended up getting that that role that Pacino dropped out of for this movie but uh based on uh, Mario Puzo's novel which Apparently it was a bestseller back in the late '60s. I wasn't alive. Nor was I. No, none, but, of, uh, us, none of us were. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I've never, I've never read it. So I mean, I always took you to be like a sixty-year-old. You're how old are you? No, nah, I'm I'm sixty-nine. Okay, <laughs> so you were. So, oh God. <laughs> I'm regretting having a, a guest spot on this, <laughs> this show. First and last guest. Such a great honor. <laughs> took an opportunity to make a 69 joke. Like I that. apologize. That's I'll, okay. I'll stay mature. Clean it up, Buster. Yeah. All right. That's enough. You lost have you on a tire. You lost. Put, put some soap in my mouth for you know the next 10 minutes, and then I'll start talking again. But yeah, this is uh, widely considered to always be like in the top five films. Some people put it like right behind Citizen Kane. Uh, apparently Orson Welles was actually up for the Brando part at one point. Even like Ernest Borgnine, I read that. Yeah. And like, it's, oh, like, really? it's, it's kind of what? And like, I, I think it kind of comes down to like Brando apparently is just notorious for being hard to work with. And when we get to Apocalypse yeah. Now, <laughs> that's okay. going to be a main focal point with that. But uh, there's just... Um, so many historic scenes in here. So many movies pay tribute to this. It's it's been parodied in hundreds of films, hundreds of cartoons. It's it's just basically within just media. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's you know interwoven into yeah it's just, our culture at this point. It, yeah, so. it's it's almost like you don't even have to watch it because you've almost already seen half of it. Yeah. Well, the the thing about it is is that wouldn't wouldn't you say that this movie is? I mean, when you get to these. Artur, uh, like the seventies Artur directors, wouldn't you say like Spielberg and all these guys coming up? This movie kind of, as big as it ended up getting and everything, kind of led to that whole group as a whole getting bigger. It's one of the pieces, you know. Jaws comes after it. Yeah, um, yeah. You get like, uh, was Coppola was he a USC guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like a lot of studios are like, well, if it works with him. Like, well, there's we, we um, can roll the dice with another because the only the only one in that group that wasn't USC um, it was Scorsese, and he was actually working on staff in uh, NYU. So okay, okay. I I know that um, Coppola and Scorsese and probably many others that uh, are not coming to my mind right now, but uh, worked with uh, Roger Corman. And that's kind of how they got uh, their starts. Yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah, yeah, a lot of, like, they started out working on kind of smaller, more, uh, maybe column B movies, but, like, that's kind of what Roger Corman did. And then uh, started out and went, went on to, you know, Coppola and Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, but kind of going back to the casting, apparently Coppola initially was just didn't really want to do this. He kind of considered it a little low brow for his taste just you know crime boss movie I'm above yeah. it but you know I think he needed money and there was money to be made with this movie definitely but when he read the novel he definitely was like picturing people in his mind and one of those in particular which we haven't mentioned was, was Diane Keaton yeah. who you know he always pictured the K characters as Diane Keaton hmm. and you know it, it, I, I couldn't imagine anybody else in that role no yeah. and, and you know just She's a very too perfect, very eccentric actress. Always kind of, you know, I don't want to make fun of her, but I always feel like Diane Keaton is almost just being herself on camera in a lot of ways, and that's not a bad thing because I feel like Jack Nicholson has made an entire career out of that. I think we've said (laughs) that before, but if you don't know the story of this, basically, uh, Michael is our our main character, and he he is a is he is he Marine? I forget, or is he Army vet? He just can't. 
I think it's, I think they just say army. army. Yeah, he's, he just came back from World War II. He's a hero, but his family is a it's an Italian crime family. Yeah, and uh, they're he, a little it, wacky. Yeah, they their front is a an, <laughs> al- an olive oil company, <laughs> but uh, basically uh, a guy named Salazzo, also known as the Turk, is is uh, trying to push more drugs onto the street, and uh, Vito isn't about that. The Brando character, so. You know, war ensues, people die. I don't want to give everything away if you haven't seen it. But basically, Michael ends up becoming the new godfather eventually. And that's why he plays the godfather in the next two films we're going to be talking about. Yeah. But, um... Well, his his brother's... Sonny was supposed to become... Even though the... Even though that that was against his father's wishes. Mm, That's kind of... Yeah, for the first one, that's kind of... The theme, the, yeah, and then the him, the rest of him, the story. him dying ends up being the spoiler. To be honest with you, if you haven't <laughs> seen, yeah, yeah, if, you haven't, yeah. if you haven't seen James Caan get shot by a thousand bullets, <laughs> you haven't lived. It's I mean, friend. I mean, it's 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 little, that it's almost a mimic scene from uh, what is it, Bonnie and Clyde? It's almost very similar oh, to the shootout. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. The parallel cars. I mean, it's different spacing and different angles, but. The parallel cars, the booth, how it's lined up. It's the same as the tree line. Yep. Distance is about the same. That's about as close as if you were going to start shooting people away with Tommy guns. It's about as close as you. And Fredo, the Kazali's character is technically older than Michael, correct? There's yes. Kind of like this weird bad blood between them because for some reason Michael takes over <laughs> instead of him. I guess Fredo is kind of seen as like the family dunst or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just not capable of doing things. So they just ship him off to Las Vegas to, you know. That's right. Do, do mafia stuff in Las Vegas. Did they do that in the first one? Yeah. yeah. They, okay. they send him out two thirds of the way He's through like, the movie. Okay. Like at, before, that's even before Michael Fish, I think before Michael officially takes the threshold as the head of the family. Okay. Like that's the, they're, I, that's what's coming, and that's how they do it without, per se, offending him directly. Okay. Yeah. Um, opening theme, we kind of... Well, it's not the opening theme. The opening theme is the uh, that sad minor <laughs> trumpet part that you hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, that was the love theme from The Godfather. Uh, is it Nina Rota, I think, is who composed that. And... Uh, now it's iconic. Apparently, even Paramount apparently was was against that. They thought that was too highbrow. As far as how it sat, they just like that's not commercial enough. And now it's like, wow, how wrong were you? They were. I mean, no, yeah, it's <laughs> like, 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 like even that's the thing about it is that like even the original Scarface is a f- has a lot of fairly highbrow stuff to it. The original, like, what was that? I can't remember. You mean the were. old, old one? Yeah. yeah. You're not, okay. You're not talking about the Pacino one. Right. I'm not talking about the Pacino But I don't know if you guys noticed this, and I kind of looked into it, and I forget what um, technique they used as far as how they developed the film. But all of these films have a yellow tint to them. You know, ever, mm. ever noticed that? Yeah. And it's... No. I forget if it was just... Uh, like It was underexposed, I think, a little bit. To just make... The idea was they were trying to make everything look almost like an oil painting or a painting. Okay. Like, I always kind of felt like, were they using like a specific camera for this that was older or something? Because it always just had this weird hue to it. I mean, you know with The Matrix, they went back and just made everything green. But it wasn't like that obvious. It was just like... like you know, have, you, have you seen the, the new... 
the new box covers for these as the as the individuals instead of just no. The, I just I just had the Blu-ray right, combo right instead of the com like the combo has always been black and gold with the contrast, of, which is also very Godfather like all the way through. Yeah, just the black um, with the puppet. Well, hand. the new yeah the new one is uh, they do uh, it's white with that gold contrast like coming up out of the two layers on the box. Hmm. So it's an entirely different like for the individual films. Interesting. I just saw I, it recently, and that's why I was like, "That's an interesting like counter to to go from black to white." Yeah, I have seen this uh, film in a theater setting. I saw it. Uh, it's. Uh, did we see in, that? At, did we see that at IU Cinema together? Um, just, I it was I a part of my class. I think I think I told you, and okay. like, oh, they're showing Godfather, like, because I can, you know, yeah, anybody. Uh, but yeah, I would I, I would recommend that, and I would recommend. IU Cinema, if you're in the the Indiana area, Bloomington anywhere, area, anywhere near it, it's it's probably it's one of the best. It's probably the best in Indiana. Uh, maybe even you know the Midwest. Probably I'm one of the best. Really yeah. hoping Evansville eventually gets an art house theater with that. If I had like two million dollars today, I would put it towards the Alhambra and Haney's Corner district and just get it running. That would be awesome. As a, rep- as a repertory. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. like just and do like you know more consensus cinema during uh, like Friday, Saturday nights, try to get people to come down, have a drink, mm. go see Free Willy. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see Free Willy. And but, like, nothing against Free Willy. Yeah, I mean, but I used Cinema School because they always, you know, like have theme, themed curated things that are kind of, you know, educational, cultural kind mm-hmm. of things. Uh, I think so, yeah. Danny Glover was apparently going to be there this semester. I think oh, he had to like, he had to, yeah, he, yeah. Had to, he had to push back his date. I forget why, but I still get emails from them because I bought tickets, so they're like, "Hey, yeah, come, I always, come support." Yeah. I tried to check him, looking since I'm around now. I tried to look. I, there's, there's some stuff, but I don't have a lot of money right now. So. Absolutely. Well, and I, I don't think I can meet Danny Lover without being like, "I'm too old for this shit." <laughs> <laughs> or just drop like 400 Operation Dumbo drop references and see if you remember. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that suppository you gave to that elephant? <laughs> no, kid. <laughs> Just that, like it's really bad. I think that I think that's exactly the movie that made me understand what suppositories really were. Yep. Large <laughs> ass pills. Anyways, this film. <laughs> speaking of large ass pills. <laughs> speaking of large ass pills, this movie made an ass load of money. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and, uh, the budget was around seven million. It, it's really in between, uh, but it ended up making just shy of two hundred and fifty million. It, you know, as far as that's a pretty big budget for you know the, the early seventies. It came out in seventy two, but Coppola apparently just pulled the arm, twisted the arm of the studio enough to allow him to shoot on location. So, like in mm-hmm. both New York and Sicily, so it's not like they cut. No, uh-huh. yeah. I think I think the uh, the Las Vegas scenes are just like stock footage, though, because you really never see him walking around. You just yeah. see like uh, this is Las mm-hmm. Vegas, and then it, like cuts to a hotel room. Yeah, and, that's like, true. Yeah. And, like, it, it, but the thing is, it kind of mac it mixes though, because it looks like fifties, sixties, or forties, fifties Las Vegas shot as far as the film grain, hmm. but the coloring matches the way the film is shot anyway. So I think it you really can't tell. Okay. I never knew that until I kind yeah. of did a little digging. But uh, let's go ahead and jump to Godfather 2, continuation of the uh, the Godfather series. And ba- basically the idea of this one is that Michael is trying to make the, the family legitimate, and they move their business to 
Las Vegas, and they're trying to take over. I forget how many casinos or just. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, it's like an expansion um, plot, and there's also the political cross between uh, the stuff in Cuba. The high, yeah, the Hyman Roth debacle, yeah. which uh, you know you get a bunch of like under uh, you know, underworld bosses, I guess, coming together in Cuba to split up their money and mm. talk about this, that, and that. Honestly, like I've never really sat down and like actually thought about like even when I watched the third one this week. Some of the background stuff, or like the Vatican and stuff, I'm just like I don't. I I was I not familiar. I you know I looked up the I saw the Wikipedia and they're like oh there was a big scandal and the Pope died and I'm, that's you know reflected in the movie. Yeah, I'm but like, it's just, I never heard of. Yeah, no. but I never like actually focus on like who, who the money's going to or what's actually happening. I mean, yeah, Jerry, do you ever did you ever dive into that? Oh, where it's the going, specifically in this one? Well, yeah, even like the last one, like the intricacies of like why it's it's always just about a change of power. Well, and the mm. well, well the first the first one is very much just them refusing to take up the drug trade in continuation with they they would rather be con- connected to to muscle and import export than import export. Because see, that's the thing is is that they can uh, what's the character's name? The one that, kill, that kills Vita? Or, oh. Salazzo? Yeah, Salazzo. Um, basically, he, he knows the kind of money he has control of, and it's huge amounts of money with drugs. Yeah. And so I think they call them just opiates at that point. Yeah. You know, it's not like... Well, that's the thing is, is that he's bringing in heroin, cocaine, yeah. multiple yeah. opiate-based. Um, but you, you end up with... It's so much money he can convince the rest of the families to almost all the families to back him and Vito's operation the Corleone family is supposedly the largest at that point so him turning down the offer of you know basically he's like you're going to front me two million dollars and open your pipeline of import and then I'll end up paying you tenfold that this year alone yeah. and so he takes it as an insult and that's where everything builds up they basically are like we're gonna knock off the top of the, the top tier, and that's where all all this stuff with Vito and the and the breakdown is from the first one. Um, the second one, as far as the plot is, um, the the irony is at that point you already know everything that went down in Cuba, so you see um, that there really were, because that that really did happen. There were organized crime families trying to legitimately back casino expansion there. Because they had already, um, that was a. They were somewhat into Las Vegas, but it represented the expansion of Miami and everything else. Yeah, and, and, and it, it kind of picks up. It's, it's in '58, right? So it's it's like right before the whole like Cuban Missile Crisis and everything that happens there. So I guess it's kind of like seeing. Well, not right before that. This is this is '59 pr- is when Castro takes over. This is oh, okay, that's right, that's right, that's right. This is the entire revolution is spooling. That's up. right. They're seeing the revolutionaries yeah. in the street and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually watch. I actually watched these over the summer, not knowing when we were going to do this. But I rewatched three. But yeah, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that sequel came out in '74, like two years for yeah. what is it, usually considered to be the best sequel of all time between this and like Empire Strikes Back. So. Yeah. And s- and some people consider this movie to be, it's it's a little more complete as to what's moving forward plus the ending how 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 the ending plays out, this 
same kind of deal as Empire, where it's dark and cloudy, and you don't really know where you would go from here completely. Right. I had to remind myself. Think about it. it was, yeah. uh, <laughs> so some people consider this movie to be better than the first one. Yeah. Did the first one win Best Picture? This one definitely did. Uh, and Copeland's director. And then we haven't even talked about the fact that Brando's character is... Well, he dies in the first one. He didn't know. Oops. But in the second one, a young Vito is played by none other than Robert De Niro, who actually originally, I think he was up for at least, I think he might have tried out for Michael in the first one. But I think I've yeah, heard that, yeah. Yeah. And like, cause, you know, they, I think they talked about that a little bit in that Q&A session. <coughs> but, um, the first one actually was, um, yeah, it won, it won Best Picture. Um, Brando won uh, Best Actor, but did not show up or accept the award. Was that the one where the uh, the random Indian chief showed up for him? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. I, yes, it was. I, I just <laughs> okay. literally confirmed that. I, went, I was just like, <laughs> I knew I, I am the representative of Marlon Brando. <laughs> yes. And, and I am here to say that my land has been raped by the white man. <laughs> just like, Which rules. I love that. And then... Uh, <laughs> It's badass. <laughs> and then Puzo, Puzo won Best Original Screenplay. So. Oh, man. No. Uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with Puzo, uh, he ended up... Did he write both Superman 1 and 2 as well? Hmm. At least one. Yeah, he actually... And then he ends up writing three. He has other writing credits. Those are just what, you know, what I actually have in my library that I've seen his name. I'm like, oh my gosh! His name's on Superman 2. Because I like Superman with Christopher Reeves. But um, but yeah, De Niro plays a young Vito. He ends up winning a uh, a Best Supporting Actor, which it's kind of funny that he didn't get the role of Michael, but he comes back and wins an, an Oscar in the Godfather series before you know Pacino doesn't win his until Scent of a Woman. So this, it's kind yeah. of it's like he yeah. comes into a series where the, the lead role is played by Pacino. I don't know. I just think it's funny. Yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah. Kind of like how there's a weird. Like Andy Garcia crossover between Untouchables and Godfather Three later on. Well, and and what's even weirder is, um, you end up with um, De Niro was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and so was uh, uh, what's his name. I'll go right back to it. Uh, Michael uh, Gazzo. Uh, he played... Uh, oh, okay. I know... Oh, what is his name? Uh, Frankie. Yeah. He's the guy that shows up and they start playing uh, Pop Goes the Weasel when he's trying to get the orchestra to play Italian music. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they... Tour, and then... <laughs> Which one is that? He's, he's the old man. He he shows up and he's... His Cheech? Do what? Don Cheech. Is that his name? I forget. I'm going back to... No, you're fine. It's uh, it's Frankie. Uh... No, Don Cheech isn't. I forget. I think he was he was the guy that was actually in Sicily. Fank, it's Frankie. Uh, Frankie. Yeah, they off in Sicily. I'm sorry. P- uh, what is it? Hmm. Pinkinelli. Yeah, Frankie Pinkinelli. And you also have a great uh, run by uh, Lee Strasberg as Hyman Roth. Does a good job in this. Hyman Roth. But yeah, this. Uh... Definitely check it out. Don't want to dwell too long on this. 
Anything else you guys want to add on this one? Once again, a commercial success. It didn't make as much as the first one at around mm. 57 million. And I don't know if that first number was like, you know, if that includes like future runnings or, you know, just, uh, I don't yeah, know. Right. Or I, I'm not good with that stuff. I'll say that uh, I think, personally, I probably like the second one better. I kind of like the, you know, where the two timelines, how it's kind of, you know, showing how Vito got there and like how uh, Michael's running it and kind of it jumps, you know, kind jump, of comparing yeah. the well, two. And the, and the, yeah, and the parallel is interesting because you end up he's actually not that far from his father until you mm. get to the twists at the end and you're like because I, I don't know that Vito would have made the decisions that Michael makes. At the yeah. End. So I also, now that I'm thinking about it the, uh, the Ellis Island scenes it's, and it's and what's weird good, is Vito's also crueler with different things, and then Michael crosses an entirely different line. Like chooses, yeah. a ju- it's like he jumps two lines, and so that's that's what makes it so interesting. Because in the first one, he really doesn't go that far out of who he is, really. No, I mean he has, he has some moments of vengeance. Yeah, but, but there's like, never like a complete turnaround of character. By this one, he's almost like completely the demon. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. just like it's a huge, it's a huge. He's gone from angel to demon in a matter of two films, and you you get to see the transition, right? And yeah, I, well, and the revenge moments in the first one—that's part of what makes it so interesting—is is that he actually lines it up tactically, like he like he would war as a soldier, and so you sit hmm. there and you go, "I'm gonna do this, this, and this," because he actually does a lot of extreme things, but not to the level of where. It, affects everybody personally the same way, especially the main characters. You know what I mean? Like, like we need to get rid of these people. You've barely seen them, and they get rid of them. You know, so you get you get that whole feeling of that, but you're not attached to it. It's like when you're being told one thing of, uh, during opposition to war. That's how I describe it. In the second movie, you were attached to the people he kills, even. Mm-hmm. Because he he's personally connected to every single one of them, also. So it's just an entirely different... Dynamic. Anything else on two? No, it's been a while since I uh, seen I mean, it actually. So there's some. Uh, I want to say this as, as far as defending the first one. The first one just has the more iconic scenes as far as like what's parodied. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying it's better, but it's like you just get this. Every time I watch it, I'm like oh yeah, this scene where yeah. the guy. Has the fish in his hands. Well, and, <laughs> well, and it's, it's the big thing. There's some oranges. Hey. Uh, I, well, we haven't talked about that. We're gonna talk about that. I think. No. I, I think the big thing. I think the big thing for me is uh, with the first movie. Is I think it kind of represents the end of Marlon Brando truly being Marlon Brando. Like what? I mean, you mean him being the sex symbol. I mean, him, him, the lead, the lead. him, him being the biggest actor on the planet because he's he was for twenty years at yeah. that point. Yeah, and so that represents the. You know what I mean? It's like I'm trying to think. We don't have anybody at that level. You're saying the Cotton Balls? I mean, I mean, I guess in theory you could say Daniel Day Lewis, but he didn't self implode. No, he, also, he retired. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, it's close. Last last movie December. Okay, my bad. He's he's doing the next uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Oh, that's one, and that's that's the end of it. Okay, that's his retirement. Well, I think big news for uh, 
if you only get your news from uh, Big Screen and Bruce, I yeah. think that I think that happened. Breaking since, since last maybe a, maybe maybe breaking <laughs> news. Yeah, maybe one person. <laughs> I, I'm still holding out that he comes out of retirement to do some kind of weird Last of the Mohicans sequel. I always say I always <laughs> say, cool, I always say I'm going for the Conan O'Brien where I'm just like, and no one's watching this show. Wait, <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> The podcast is like uh, ah, we, that's right, and we have the masturbating bear here, but you guys can't see that because it's podcast. Yeah, it's, like if something's going wrong, you just pull the Chuck Norris handle. Yeah. But uh, yeah, jumping ahead, a good uh, good sixteen years into the future, we have Godfather Part Three, widely considered to be a bad movie, and that's that. I think that's this is the main focal point. The first opening is like, yeah, we all love Godfather. Who doesn't like the Godfather one and two? Like, there's not much. Really, so if you haven't seen him, go see him. That's all that there is to that. But Godfather three, yay or nay, thumbs up, thumbs down. If you're Caesar, like that's what I want to get into with this. So it jumps ahead. I think we're in 1979. Um, Pacino's gone pretty much completely legitimate. Hmm. You kind of get to see his his dealings with like the Vatican Bank and, and and what he's doing with his money there. Yeah. Well, it starts out and he's like uh, like the the foundation, like he's doing. That type yeah. of stuff. So he's like, that's yeah. He's, he's this. The, he's the, just a philanthropic kind of yeah, Italian. Yeah. 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 So, oh, you know, this is all for a good cause. And you have people yeah. like, didn't you kill a guy like ten years ago? <laughs> he's no, like, no. He's like, not in hot one. Not in hot one. I've basically been an army general. There's a lot of them, but <laughs> it's very, it's very young. Isn't it true that your grandfather <laughs> performed experiments on dead bodies? Like, sorry. You gave me the terrible look. <laughs> like, I hate Bewilderment, I don't know just, what you're talking about. You hate Anderson Young Frankenstein? A what? Uh, young Fra- oh, yeah, no, yeah. My bad. Sorry, it's been... Uh, Basically, it's just like, people in the audience are I'm aware, quite aware of the dark so. past. Frankenstein. Yeah, the, dark, the dark past. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Frankenstein. I would have uh, got it. It's okay. I made a, uh, I made a Clayface uh, reference at... at the uh, lunch table on Sunday, and everyone just kind of stared at me for Batman the Animated Series. We are talking about... Neil. Oh, Clayface, the character. <laughs> I, 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 you're talking about, about my face? No, no, I'm just saying, like... <laughs> the no, 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 no. I immediately knew what you were saying. And when I looked at your face, I knew what you were thinking. Yeah. My bad. We were talking about Miriam. I don't know if you know about that product. It like reduces uh, yeah. wrinkles on the face. I'm like, no. yeah, I always think about doing some of those things, but then I just think about Clayface from Batman the Animated Series. Everyone's kind of stared at me. Like, like no one? Ah, oh, never mind. No, I would have caught it if you said Batman the Animated Series. But, but, Godfather Part 3. So, yes. you basically have... Uh, in Godfather 2, Kay and Michael separate. There were some attacks on their house, other things. There, I'm not going to talk about... There's a very awkward, powerful scene between Keaton and Michael as far as a life decision that is always a political hotbed as far as a topic in every election as far as what she chooses <laughs> to do. <laughs> you can basically just guess. This is like a, it's like a Jeopardy question at this point. She has an abortion. With no. This is the third one? Second one. Oh, okay. And they, and yeah, they okay. Say, that, yeah. It's but not a familiar, but like... But doesn't he... Doesn't she tell him after she had Yeah, yeah. Because at first it's like, oh, it's a miscarriage. Yeah. But anyways, so they're separated, and uh, she's remarried to... Is he a lawyer, I believe? It doesn't really matter who the hell cares. You don't really know that character. Yeah. Uh, Duvall doesn't reprise in a, 
you know, of course, every other character that died in the first two isn't going to show up as a, a zombie. But uh, <laughs> we, we, we end up getting Tom Hagen's son played by somebody. And I don't know if that was Duvall not wanting to do it or if they literally wrote him out. Does anyone know? I Which one was Tom Hagen's son? The priest. He's like, oh, I'm going to the Vatican soon. Oh. And they can always use another it's, it's good actually, priest. It's actually, it's actually John Savage. Like the same John Savage from, I believe, like Red State and things. Deer Hunter and Thin Red Line and Hair. And mm. The same one that uh, I think Tarantino's obsessed with him. He's been in a lot of weird stuff. Cool stuff, though. Nice. Yeah! But they end up. Uh, Trying to take it as weird as possible there. <laughs> they end up going you know, legitimate. With Michael's money, but he still has mob ties. You you get the uh, is it is it Vincent? They call him Vincenzo as well, yeah, played by Vincent, Andy Garcia, yeah. and uh, Vincent you know, Vanzini. What's what's end up? You, know, you kind of had a hypothesis here, a theory, and I want you to pitch that because in the first one, there's a scene. Yeah, and I want you to talk um, about that. They 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 never describe. Um, Never says anything about his mother other than "How's your mother?" and that's that's all you you see mm-hmm. from it. Um, but my hi- hypothesis is, since they can, you know, like none of them seem to be surprised that it's Sonny's kid, that it's uh, literally the bridesmaid that's Talia Sire's friend from the from the very first movie that he's literally banging when Duvall has to pull him out. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Like like that's the. I think I read. I mean, because I read somewhere that, that's. The, yeah, because the thing about it is, is that it makes perfect sense because uh, how attached uh, Shire's character is to him, which makes it you know because yeah, she's okay. the one yeah. that says your mother and then always talks about him not just because you know it's it's like I know she was banging my brother so yeah yeah that's kind of cool how they just let him in I actually like, yeah well I think uh, I think she, I I actually think Shire is really good in this movie it took me a second like. To like, to to figure out that that was who like it. Oh. I guess it, it wasn't immediately clear to me that that was yeah. Tally Shire, Connie, 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 right? Yeah, Connie. Yeah. yeah. But I guess I I think at some point she started talking, and I'm like, oh, like it, like she talked a few times. But it wasn't immediately clear. But then she, I don't know, she the weird part some kind that. of lilt to her voice. I'm like, oh, yeah. At, okay. the, at the end of the credits, it actually just re-shows the end of Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> that's who it was. <laughs> Remember that's what, that's what sparked your, your memory. No. But um, but along along with this, uh, this Andy Garcia, Vincent character, you, you have his, his kind of... The antagonist in the movie, which is played by Joe Montagna, 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 Montagna. Montagna. Yeah. Uh, famous for Baby's Day Out, of course. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, it's> <laughs> just throwing, I mean the greatest, just throwing his career. <laughs> the, the greatest John didn't John Hughes win an Oscar for that movie? Yeah, of course he did. Write it? Did he really? Yeah. Oh so my god! Yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't really surprise me, honestly. That you're seeing weird science. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not against it. I'm just saying it doesn't surprise me. No, he did this thing in the 90s, like, where he had ticked everybody off and could, they wouldn't let him direct anymore, basically. Oh. Because he had done a few things that they weren't happy about. 
but they they buy scripts because they knew they they'd work and they they liked the family stories because they'd sell both both sides yeah right. back end and front end that's, yeah, that's yeah. how they got going with vacations so that makes sense but Montana plays Joey Zaza who's uh, <laughs> basically in charge of the Corleone's old uh, old neighborhood and he ends up just like, I, I don't know I guess he's just a dirty character that they're, they never he, really describe he just wants to run it as an old mob boss where the mob is so slowly cycling themselves yeah. out of everything yeah. I mean, the only thing they, they, they were concerned about the drugs the drugs exactly they were like you yeah. like drugs in the neighborhood like I kill anybody that deals with them like, okay yeah. like that's that's really all you hear and then you see like old women just going like you need to get rid of Joey Sata yeah we'll do random Italian woman on well, the street I, they um there's a part where, like, when uh, Michael is giving his speech to, I guess, the the, the commission, and he says, like, oh, he lets uh, the blacks and, <laughs> like, it's something into the neighborhood. Um, That's all the same speech, but yes. Yeah. Did but, that offend you? Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, it was like... Do you let? Do you, yeah, like he it, 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 it's associated with the drugs going in. So I'm kind of like, oh, okay. what? Well, like no, Michael says, like, oh, it's nice that he gives them the opportunity, but then black, you know, no, no, but he says black same juice. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. So you know, some interesting things going on there. There was what's when, when the when was this said? 1978, okay. But uh, yeah, honestly. I don't know how I feel about the uh, the Montaigne character. I don't I don't know if it's the character itself or his acting. I actually I actually like the character. you like it. Okay. I actually like the character. I think, I think it's a, I think it's a perfect contrast because you need somebody that's gonna get a little hot but know how to control himself, yeah. especially when when the Garcia character is trying to channel Sonny specifically. Yes, yeah. he does. He does. Well, there was that one scene last night where I turned to you and go, "Holy crap, that was a pretty good James Conn impression." Yeah, and it's not not when he's straight, like looking at him. It's when it pulls back to Montana's face and he returns a line, and then you get the absolute outburst, and you don't see the absolute outburst in Garcia's face, but you hear it, and it's exactly what you'd expect Sonny to say. And I mean, so that's just really well written for one. And I, I mean, Puzo comes back, Coppola. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he helped. Well, the se- the second one Coppola wrote all the, these. Well, the second one Co- actually it's opposite. Uh, first writing credit on the second one is Coppola. Oh, okay. Because the continuation, Puzo started writing the books. Because the first one was was a written book and then adapted screenplay, mm-hmm. and he's involved in all these other projects. So Coppola is actually first writing credit on the second one. Mm-hmm. Like they basically laid out the story together, and then the like the redrafts Puzo helped cover. Supposedly, that's that's even how it's written up on like IMDb. So, no. But as far as why this movie is considered so bad, or just you know, we we were kind of talking about this last night. You have two of arguably the top ten. You know, you could argue it easily. Movies ever made, and then you're and then you're calling this a sequel to those two movies. Yeah. Like people are going in. I mean, I know I've done it. Like I went into Baby Driver this summer. I liked Baby Driver, don't get me wrong. But I went into Baby Driver after Edward had already seen it, and they were like, oh my god, Baby Driver is awesome! I'm like, wow, I am about to just get blown away by Baby Driver. Probably the same thing just happened with Godfather Part 3, where a lot of people were like, oh, it's The Godfather. Yeah. 
This is going to be full of like classic scene after classic scene. We're going to see a bunch of like death. Someone's like head might get cut off by some garrote wire. It's going to be great. What you end up getting is a pretty you get good a lot of death. We get a lot of death, but you don't. It, but the thing is, like, what was the memorable death? Like, oh, some guy got stabbed with some glasses. Did you see that? Uh, that was pretty interesting. I'd say, I'd say the part where they shoot the entire top of a hotel with a helicopter. That was pretty memorable. That was pretty good. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. That, Spoiler alert, sorry. That was, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's like, you, have, you just you kind of have, like, the first one you have Sonny getting obliterated. Luca Brazzi's eyes, basically. Yeah, I was about to say the, the glasses yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just. Oh yeah, Mo Green. Wait, Mo Green. Mo Green. Yeah, yeah, was nice. Well, the, the only thing that really confused me about the uh, everybody getting shot in the top of the hotel, and I guess the claim could be that Michael needed to get out of there, but <laughs> truthfully, the first thing you do is just get under the table that the top was marble and the underlay was metal, because they're shooting nine millimeters at you, and that'll never go through that table. Just put your finger out the outside and go screw you, because yeah. those bullets are never coming through there. That's an MP5. Wow. Yeah. But it gave uh, old Vinny a chance to be a hero. To be a so. hero. Uh, we have a... You can be a hero, baby. It's cool to see Eli Wallach showing up as a... Uh... I had to... I, I didn't realize that that was him. Yeah. I thought he... I mean, he did great, but I, like, didn't know until I actually looked at the Wikipedia that that was him. I knew it was him. Isn't he a Mystic River for a second? Is he, like, a... a Possibly. Like a... The only really frame of reference I have for Eli Wallach is... I feel like... I feel like the Holiday... Yes, the holiday. Good Everybody's favorite now. Because I knew it was him. Like, oh, that's him. Because I, I looked it up. That's that's directed by Eastwood, right? Mystic River. I uh, I do not think he's in Mystic River. I think I think he is. I think he's like a, a gas station attendant or something. And I was like, that looks like the guy from The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I wonder if Plant put him in that just because hmm. of that. And then I was like, oh, it is. And then I just kind of... Oh, yeah, he is. And then I was like, oh. liquor store. He's the liquor store owner. But yeah, exactly. Right. Just some, some guy. Yeah. But it's just like, I knew it was him this time, or this round watching him, because I had seen that okay. pretty recently. I'm like, oh, that's Eli Wallach, because I know what he looks like. It's an old man. Because like, I always take him as Tuco, like you said, from Good, right. Bad, and the Ugly. And he looks a lot different, because it's like 30 years later. But uh, we were kind of talking last night about how there's this scene where... Sofia Coppola's character, Mary, is talking to her, her father outside, and I honestly feel like, I don't know how old Sophia is, and I'm not trying to, like, crap on her career, because we've already praised it enough on this show. I think she was her second podcast, hmm. but I just don't think her performance in this movie is... I think uh, acting is not uh, necessarily her forte. Exactly. I'm not making fun of her. I well, Jean... I, I mean, she, she's 19 years old. I mean, when they filmed that movie, she was 18 or 19 years old. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. So it's like, would, I mean, you kind of the thing where it's like, t- apparently Culpa felt weird about putting his sister in it in the first one. Like, okay. is, is the studio going to get mad at me for doing that? So it's like, sh- I should go with tradition and pull someone from the family. Because like, he, he had been using the Culpas throughout the entire movie series already as like cameos, like weird little characters. Yeah. Like his dad would be playing the piano in the background of the first one or something. It's like, oh yeah, that's his dad. Yeah. But it's like, all right. Now my daughter has a lead role in this, but it's like that character is vital to the story. It's no, oh, yeah. Can yeah. you imagine? I mean, it's not like I don't know. I, I can't imagine being a nineteen-year-old kid fresh out of high school being thrown into what is well, supposed to be yeah. the end piece. What? Of the what? Grand <laughs> well, and look, and look at the two. The difference between him using Shire in one and two is 
that is such a I mean it's that character plays an important part in those movies um, too they're you know but it's an entirely different part it's be this extravagant character that's you know broad and big and over the top I mean because she's constantly I mean as the bride in the opening sequence mm-hmm. and then the second movie you know I mean they just killed her husband you know what I mean yeah so she comes back and it's like I'll do whatever I want you're gonna give me money you're gonna she's this very tore up you know all over the place just big you know she's wearing furs and she's throwing her <laughs> hands around and the mom's uh, Vito's wife is you know all over about seeing her kids and um, I mean by the time you get to the third one that's what I mean I was like she's very good in this movie because she has a real part in this movie mm-hmm. yeah she's yeah she's comparatively much more she's holding well right I suppose she's pr- probably you know lived in like she's probably a little well, because, world born at this point well by the time they had that's the thing is, is that so then by the time you get to the end of the 70s you know she takes a a bit what's more or less a bit part in Rocky and becomes a bigger part in Adrian. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, she has, you know, a couple movies in the 80s other than the Rocky movies. And, I mean, she's a, a household name to to an extent. And, I mean, she is talented by that point. I think you see that, how much she's grown by the time she's mm. in this movie. That's what I mean. She's really good in this movie. I, I'd say she's maybe better than Diane Keaton is in yeah, I don't. I don't know how I feel about Keaton's performance in this. And there are a couple other awkward scenes I have with like Coppola and the the, the guy who plays Anthony, uh, Frank uh, D'Ambrosio. Yeah. And I think he was more of a stage actor or Broadway star. Apparently, he played Van of the Opera at one point. Yeah, they Bond. they uh, they specifically cast him because they wanted him to actually be able to sing the opera part. Okay. And okay. his That's high good. tenor voice is fantastic. Um, but I don't know. It's just uh, you were kind of talking about. You think just the pacing of this movie is odd. It just it, it drags so yeah. you know, much like the show at points. You know. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I just <laughs> shooting. Both. I I I mean this. I mean this nicely. I'm not entirely sure that I I loved several movies that Puzo wrote. But I'd say the, the Superman movies have issues with timing, also. Oh, that's why. They, very much so. You can't show it to anyone under the age of forty, or they'll just fall asleep. I'm I'm saying like at this point. Yeah. At this point, it. I'm just okay. saying like. <laughs> I'm like no, okay. I'm not saying it's because. It's I'm like, like it's I'm like, when I was six, there was a lot of other things going on in the eighties and or in the early nineties, and that movie's not that no good. I'm, but the notion of using Superman, although at this point people have no clue. I mean, they'd be, they wouldn't know how to deal without the CGI and wouldn't be able to. Yeah, it's just it old. It's just an older style. But I and I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to beat down on Puzo. I just, no, no, I just don't know that he knows how to transition. And his, I've read a couple of his books. They are actually brilliant. Like how they're, they're perfect as, no, okay. as are. I just, I just wonder whether or not he's the person to be adapting his own material. I I do know I read that uh, Coppola at least looks at the series as the first two being like the main story and this the third being the epilogue. Yeah. So I think that's that's a good way to put it. Like 
But I, I think it, like a lot of the same themes work into kind of you know like familial duty and kind of trying to not. I actually want to. I think there's a lot of people that haven't seen this movie, so I actually want to encourage. I was thinking about talking about the end, but I'd almost prefer not to talk about the end of this movie okay. because I feel I like, mean, I feel yeah, like there's enough people that have never seen it. No, but I think in general, like I was going to just say, the last twenty minutes of this movie make the two and a half hours. <laughs> Yeah, like the waiting up to it. Worth say, it. there's a, a scene at the opera that the, I really liked. Yeah, the, the whole fr- the staging of the opera thing, yeah. or like scene setting. And it, and it has yeah. it has shades of the first movie at yeah. the end. I don't know, that, that's what I mean about the pacing thing. Is is that to me, first twenty minutes set up, you kind of understand where it's swinging towards, then it drags into the helicopter, the meeting of the dons. And that becomes like, what, an hour and ten minutes? And then you, it takes another like 35 minutes to get to that very interesting opera scene. Because, like, there are plot points there, but they seem very drug out. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think this, I think this movie has a very good ending. It really does. Yes. Yeah. But, that would be great. I forget the name of the piece. I really should know it. It's uh, featured in Raging Bull as well, but it's played at the end. I was I was like the choice of music. It's been used in multiple films. I think it was used in an old Romeo and Juliet as well. I think Jared's going to get our uh, second round of beers. Uh, while he's doing that, I'm going to kind of update you on where you can drink this week while he's getting beers because you know that seems appropriate. Yeah. Oh, is that a beer? Yeah, I'll have the beer. That's good. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, Swerker Brewfest is this week, uh, September 23rd, uh, at 6 p.m. It's a little pricey. Uh, uh, they moved it from July this year because it was like 100 degrees last year, and so many people, like myself, sweat through their shorts. <laughs> so they were like, hey, let's move it to September when it's rainy and cold. So there you go. And I, baseball season's over as well. I'm, but if you're looking for, you know, a good drinking event in the tri-state area. Definitely check that out. It's at Bossy Field. Um, you, do you actually want to talk about what we're drinking <laughs> now? I am drinking a Magic oh, Hat no. oh. Electric Peel IPA. We are having some technical so, difficulties with the beer right now. There's a towel on your right on the oven. One of the, one of the beers just spewed, man. Yeah. Is it mainly on the wood floor? Yes. Yeah. That's fine. Just use both of them. That was that was the goal. Plus, I didn't want to go back near the soundboard. That's probably a good, good thing. Idea. What's the What's the other special one we got? This I know he has an um, October fest. The the one that uh, just uh, has a lot of character and just uh, exploded out of the bottle <laughs> was uh, low key session IPA from Magic Hat, which uh, I forget where Magic Hat is uh, based in. Is it DC? Exploding onto my floor and into your fridge. Wait, what? <laughs> Exploding onto my fridge and onto your floor? No, no, no. Oh, Rochester. On yeah. my floor and into your fridge. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm trying. I'm trying to give them a cool tagline for when they when they go. You know, big magic cats. They're so uh, low, they're so low key. I'm trying to take them up. You know, pull some out of the magic cats. Uh, lots of beer suds. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyways, I think we said enough about Godfather 3. Uh, quick review of 
the It 2017 film which we just watched. Yes. And Clay actually just revisited as a special guest the 1990? 1990. Yes. Miniseries. 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 Um, I forget the director. But he did uh, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. I remember that. Oh. I just know Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Tommy Lee Wallace. Is yes, there. Tommy Lee Wallace. That's right. And it has a... Uh, um, some other uh, like John Ritter, uh, Harry Anderson, the uh, fella who's the main guy in Breaking Away, whose name I forget. Uh, oh. Richard Thomas. Is that no Christopher? Oh. Yes, Danny Christopher, right? Dennis Christopher. Dennis Christopher. Yeah. Uh, and Tim Reed, the guy who's the dad and sister sister. Yeah. Um. Hmm. But it's, he, uh, it's, he was in a lot of other stuff. Yeah, he's in other stuff. That's my where I feel like I know. Beverly, Beverly's in Annette O'Toole. I haven't and seen that since it. I watched like a VHS mm-hmm. copy of it from the library. How does it hold up? I know Curry's performance is still pretty. Yeah, I mean that's wild. that's a pretty yeah one of his bigger ones. Um, I mean I I guess. Um, I don't know if I can necessarily comment on how it represents the work. I haven't read it. I like a lot of the ideas that are there in it, so I can say um, those are pretty cool. Um, and I think they do well with those. Kind of going back and forth uh, between the present day or the quote-unquote present day, yeah. And uh, the you know when. The original kids. Was that set in the sixties or fifties? I forget when that. Fifties, fifties, late fifties. The newer one is set in what nineteen eighty nine or something or eighty six. Okay, so they're actually trying to go like contemporary for the for the modern day. Yes, I guess the idea is well, eighty eight. Well, and the whole notion of seventy. The whole notion is the twenty seven years. Yeah. Like how how else how. It would be awful hard for them to have, with what they wanted, with what they're trying to do. It would have been really hard to pull off. Right. Whereas that sixties, that one is all 80s. shot yeah. at once with both having the older actors right. and the new actors going back and forth. This newer one um, is shot as different chapters. So chapter one is just the kids. And it's not yeah. necessarily called. It. That's what I was expecting with the nineteen ninety. I guess I didn't. But, I mean, it, it was a cool, you know, like, them getting back together, like, oh, it's back, and then, like, flashing oh, back to... Right, well, and they actually cut a lot out of... the. I mean, the new version ends with... Basically, when they talk about, in the first one, killing it, you don't actually see them kill it, if I'm remembering no. correctly. Well, in the... In, in the, the, in the one that yeah. I watched, yeah, they, yeah. they shoot him with the they, yeah, they slingshot the him and kind of hit him. Well, and the light comes shot. out, but yeah, yeah he, the light, you know. Away. Oh, and then like he, the it's uh, battery acid, yeah, whatever, yeah, it's scum, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. it's been a long scum. Time. Um, yes, but if we, had, if we had a sound guy, I just wanted to keep hitting the button. Like, Hiya, Georgie. Hiya, Georgie. We don't have one. But he's, yeah, Tim Curry's really good in it. Um, I think if I had my druthers and they were like, because they do it as a miniseries, I forget, I think it's just two episodes. But like, it would be, I think it'd be cool if you could do, somehow manage to get uh, like 
an individual episode for each kid because like that's something like the this, this could this yeah I, I get what you're saying it could it could have been a really interesting HBO like na- nowadays well yeah, yeah HBO or Netflix yeah so yeah just and yeah it's kind of weird because we're not gonna see that <laughs> you know what I mean like the ads have been using this source material and making like I could see in twenty years them attempting that. Because yeah. that's basically what they do with everything. I don't know everything. Get, I don't know everything gets moved up. So maybe ten years. And then again, <laughs> then again, we've seen what three Spider Mans in ten years. So yeah, yeah. it's possible. But I just like Spider-Man. watching it. Spider Man. Um, and I think specifically, like with the, uh, I believe Eddie, who has the asthma, and it's, uh, spoiler alert, like his mother, um making him psychosomatically believe that he has this asthma and just, like, spraying, like, his Pussy. inhaler's water. Like, it would have been cool to, like... They kind of just brush that under the rug. Like, oh, I know that it's not really... Like, they... In the, in the new one, there's in a the, In the movie, they, okay, they, okay. In the movie, they literally called it... I don't think he really... He has an inhaler he doesn't use that much, though. I think he has one. But yeah. You never see him, like... They never, they never explain what's in it. And, the, and well, the, you, you do see it when he gets... To ride his bike too fast, yeah, and yeah, just certain things. But like the other ones, yeah. In the first, in the oh, yeah. first one, it's mm-hmm. constant. This this one, like they do the pill pack and like the timer watch, and they they make it even more. It's all basically all they do is go. Literally everything you're getting is placebo. Yeah, <laughs> like that's it's like that's. There was a line in that. I'll just say it. I don't care if it's a spoiler. It's like they're not even real. They're gazebos instead of placebos. <laughs> yeah. and he thro- throws them on the ground. It was cute. And, yes. like, no one laughed at gazebos. I think it was us. That just us. us. <laughs> in the front row. It's it's that's front. funny. Like, not in the real front row, but, like, the first, like, stadium seating row. Yeah. Just, like, yeah. giggling. We're on the rail. No, the, the problem was nobody else in the theater knew what gazebos were. Or placebos. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess everyone was either... Oh, making, yeah, those are what those are called. Everyone was either making out or just not paying attention at that point. It was a little Were bit, you guys making out? Maybe. We had, we had a seat between us. Maybe we were. Oh, of although I did get kicked Broke in the head, get kicked in the head a couple times by somebody by making out with people. <laughs> Maybe sometimes I never I never, I never looked that hard. <laughs> Hell of a job if you got to start kicking people. No, but yeah. um, focusing focusing back on this year's it, which is like I said, called technically chapter one. Uh, I just really want to talk about the Bill Skarsgård Hold on. and directed by Andy. Oh yeah, Andy Machete, 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 Machete. I don't know something like yeah, that. Yeah, Machete staring. Uh, I would say Danny Mach- Trejo. <laughs> <laughs> or Machete? Is there Machete too? Right? I think we. Yeah, said Machete uh, is back, baby. Or, or I don't. Know. I forget machete what it's lives. called. <laughs> I forget. Machete but resharpened. Scars guards it. And I said this kind of driving away when we were leaving the theater. And I can almost kind of say this about the uh, the Tim Curry Pennywise as well. Is much closer to the Batman Joker character. I know I always go back to Batman. <laughs> than what Leto did, and he's like supposed <clears throat> to be a demon. Yeah, it's yeah. just like this. But he still kind of has that weird. There's weird moments where you want to laugh at it, and I, I, I don't feel like this is a. It is and isn't a spoiler. I feel like if somebody's watching it at this point, they've seen a little bit of the movie. We, yeah. don't, we don't have to do the big over-the-top ending no. stuff, but um, when Mike is getting beat up by the bullies, okay. w- which 
there's somewhat of that scene in the first one, if I in the series, if I remember it, and he sees him in the background. I think in in, in, the, in the original, Pennywise is like you see the balloons come out of the reeds, and he's just walking, and then vanishes, if I'm okay. thinking correctly, and. In I can this, see it in my mind. Yeah, in, in this one, he gets hit, then turns, sees Pennywise, and he's got a severed arm, and he's waving he's it around. <laughs> like, like, it's darkly comical, and, like, I know some people had to be like, well, that's just dumb. And I'm sitting there, like, giggling. Like, I was just like, yeah. that's so perfect. Like, it's... I messed up enough in... Too, too many levels and how it's portrayed. The how, how do the two Pennywises compare? Well, yeah, about to, uh, yeah kind of diving into that. Curry's is great. Skarsgård's is different, but it's, it's almost like comparing Nicholson to, uh, to maybe, Ledger. Maybe not, Nicholson to Ledger. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like that. both have different qualities, but it's not, it's not the same character at all. But as far as just like, he didn't just go, oh, this is what Tim Curry did. I'm going to do that. Which is mm. I like. I'm glad it's obviously Pennywise the clown. He's a demon that dresses up like I a clown do. and kills children. <laughs> I was I was talking about this today with a friend of mine at work about this movie because he's like, okay, good, you finally saw it. And I'm like, yes. And he goes, what'd you think? I was like, I liked it a lot. And I go, I think the only thing that, and this isn't a downside even to Skarsgård's performance, but Curry when he got like Madden was coming out of Pennywise very demonically in the in the series. Yeah. You get that great like cuz his speaking voice is so great mm-hmm. that you get like high slightly high pitched all of a sudden turning into this like bellow rage. Yeah. That works really well. And I feel like Skarsgård's is a little different and I think the real reason why it's a little different is I don't think he could physically do it while turning his accent into an American accent. Yeah. Mm. Was he from Sweden or Norway? Norway. Okay. I think Nor- I think it's Norway. No offense to the people of Northern Europe. I just don't no, know. No, no, no. And, and I, like I said, I, I don't even think it's necessarily a disadvantage. <laughs> Shout out to Northern Europe. I don't think it's even necessarily a total disadvantage. It's just more one of those things where it's like, when I was young, that was actually what I found scarier, was that voice transition. Then, you know... They do a good job in this movie of keeping the entire movie eerie. Yeah. In many, in many ways. Even possibly better than... And you're right. Curry does go... Cause they, Hiya, Georgie. Did they all float down? It's just like... Oh, gosh. Now he's... <laughs> and, and, and he, now just, he, just, he just all of a sudden drops... An, uh, you know, he drops an octave and if he has to put something behind it and you get like like heavy hitting low voice, like that, that's scary. When somebody yells at you in a low voice, it's scary. Yeah. Automatically. And to, to hear somebody go from a random high octave to low and then, like, they're, you know, going to punch you in the face. Losing it. Losing it. That's just an entirely, like, scary notion in general. Even if somebody just did that in the conversation, you'd be like, the heck? Yeah. Hmm. No, but it's just uh, one of the complaints I've kind of heard. It's like people are like, it just wasn't that scary. Or I didn't like it that much. I'm just like... You have no soul. Well, I don't know. It's just I, I, I don't make fun of people for having opinions at this point and trying to be better about that. But at the same time, it's like I, I think this was a great movie. I walked well, out going, I can't wait for the second one. My, my, my immediate question to those people, and I, I mean this mean this nicely, and it's not to belittle them, but what do you find scary? The overabundance of torture porn that we have now? Oh, right. 
Because that that's what bothers me about it. Like, if if you can give me a statement as to why this movie isn't scary, to to any intellectual notion, meaning like you give me an example of something you find much scarier. Like if you're standing there going, I find The Shining incredibly terrifying, and this just didn't do the same thing, because like like to me that movie is. Is all about controlling the ups and downs. Yeah, it's the build-up of this, suspense. This I one, talked about that online. Right. It's like you get freaked out by seeing the word Wednesday, and you never yeah. thought you'd be freaked out by that. Well, and you're and you're sitting and, <laughs> and, and, and this, this movie, <laughs> this movie just figures out how to pull you into even the what I would. There are three sequences that I would call there are, where there is no danger, zero danger, nothing's going on, but you are still sitting there going. This could turn in a second. This could turn in a second, and I was like, "That's good filmmaking." That's to where to where you're where you're tightened up the entire movie, especially like like I I don't normally like well and I don't feel like they used a ton of jump scares. No, there was one in particular we talked about. It. I forget what it is, but it, it there's actually there, there was actually two for me. Okay, um, one got me. That's just like ah, yeah, big scary clown. Like we just went uh <laughs> But I mean, it was like it wasn't like we screamed out in terror. It was just like, as a grown as a grown man, that I could feel the bar that our feet were sitting on shake a little all, more. Well, all four people in our row, <laughs> all, all like four people in our row had, had our feet on it, and it's like I could hear all the skeletons just jangling yeah. over there. Chalky bones just jangling around. Yeah. So it was. It was more. It's it's a good atmosphere. Yeah. You'd say. Yeah. And That's good. I don't know. If the first one necessarily focuses on on this as much, because it's like I said, it's been a long time, but I feel like this one, as far as the most cringeworthy moments, were the real world horrors. Yeah, the Henry, the Henry character, you know, the father, even like just seeing like how screwed up. What well, what is it? Uh, which one, the one with the placebos? Which boy is that? The mother. The mother. Yeah. Well, so, okay, do they do, like, dwell yes. on that more? Yeah, uh, that's me, I like that. To me, the entire atmosphere they set up is that adults are so lost and don't understand. The weirdest... Okay, so Mike's grandfather, because his father's dead, mm-hmm. gives that whole speech at, at the farm involving the, the pen gun. And even that's screwed up. No, no, no. No, it's not. I'm, but what I'm saying is... He tells you you're either he you're either the lamb. Basically, he's like you're either the lamb to slaughter, or the wolf. There's no in between, and that's what he says. And that's a good motive in general for the kids to fight back. That that all lines up. But think about all these all of these par- all, all these adults in the town. I was referring to the kid killing the lamb. Well, by the way, not what he said. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> all of the adults propose some amount of whether or not it's the unacceptance of Bill's parents or the pharmacist is a pre- appear, runs off like a predator like a possible predator yeah her her father's a predator you have you know in their own ways adults just living in this town and the possibility that with all the crazy stuff going on that until they're immediately affected, they don't care at all, is a scary notion. Like, who do you run to? You run to your mom and dad. That's not a safe place for any of these children. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, at least, like, I think what what's supposed to be, from what I can tell, 
about like what I've read about the original the book and yeah. what I've seen. Like the uh, a big thing is you know coming to get the kids coming together and like you know like the power that they have the, the power of friendship. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> powers combined. <laughs> yeah, we can fight it. We can fight it. No, uh, Captain Planet. Captain Planet. <laughs> I had a Captain Planet doll as a kid. He was very metrosexual, and it's somewhere in the basement. <laughs> well, fine. I wasn't prepared for the basement thing. Okay, he's uh, and, the, and the figure is somewhere in my basement. Yeah, no, but if you've ever read Stephen King's The Body, or if you've seen Stand by Me, and you said to yourself, "I wish there was a demon in this film," check out <laughs> it because. <laughs> Can I can I can I propose one more insane theory that I have, and this didn't occur to me Absolutely. till today. Yeah, I love insanity. So all of MP ninety X. Sorry, go ahead. Terrible jokes. <laughs> and all and every one of them I don't see coming for some reason right now. <laughs> I, I I thought okay, go ahead. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> so so anyways, with King's best stuff, like. And it's not 100% of all of his stuff, but the majority of it, you have children in peril. Like, they are either, they are, they are either in peril and then become the monsters, or you see how, 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 uh, what level of fear they have to whatever is going on. You know, movies like Cujo. Uh, yeah. The Shining, or yeah. not, not, not even necessarily just the movies. The books do that too. You're right. Um, C- Carrie, <coughs> in yeah. which, oh, yeah. Yeah. in which, for her age, she has been deprived. I mean, she's functionally a twelve-year-old. Right. Yeah. Even though she's supposed to be fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is about this. All, I feel like there's this theme of innocence being taken in all these, all these stories to an extent. And what's really terrifying about it is, uh, terrifying and the easiest way to make sense of it is, is that what's the one thing that every single person can ever relate to? Childhood. Yeah. That's, and I, I, I think that's a bigger theme I don't, I don't than think, him wanting to scare you. I don't think that's an the insane non- theory. Right. And even, that's a, well, and even, even like, like, take like the Green Mile. I mean, ah, I forgot that was him too. Yeah. But the entire movie runs around you know, here's somebody wrongfully accused of this horrific murder, and it's somebody who emotionally is a child. Isn't Shawshank him as well? Yeah. Stephen. Well, like King, King man. In the I haven't wor- I haven't worked out how Shawshank has any children in it, but <laughs> yeah. But, but as far as like the Green Mile, here's this gentle giant. And the character of Brooks was never able to develop <laughs> outside. I mean, you could argue it. Well, <laughs> well, I was gonna I'm say. Scared. And, and from what I've seen in the in the miniseries, like the whole the idea of like they get the call that it's back and they don't really or like they flash back, but like they haven't thought about that shit. They just know like oh, this is like a bad thing happened and I need to go back and do something about it. Like that's like their trauma just being like re. Uh, well, you know, revitalized. Well, are you and jumping into this this conversation with how how they changed this movie from that movie? Is is that this movie, like I said, ha- has a? I think the director made a very strong point as to how far he chose to separate the adults from the children, mm. 
And if they reflect that the same way as they did in the 90s version, the adults, um, you see some of them being kind of tormented by the notion of going, and then you also see this, this notion where they're not 100% sure what they're supposed to do. It's like they lost that piece of themselves. It's like the Peter Pan Neverland, the transitional period, because that's actually yeah. a theme. Baby that, geniuses, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a huge... You know what I mean? There's a huge, like... Dedicated podcast to the themes. Thematic parallels between baby, baby geniuses. Our, our podcast is dedicated to drawing parallels between baby geniuses and everything else. Okay, sorry, Jerry, what were you saying? <laughs> we're sorry. You're right. Yeah. You were on a good... You were on a good... You were on a Tune in next week where we're going to have Clay come back also, and they're just going to throw darts at... I'm going to say a word. They're going to throw darts <laughs> at me. <laughs> That's right. I hit his nose. We're going to sp- uh, spin you on like a, a, a one of those wheels. and then One of those wheels, yeah. Maybe, maybe nice. Very Adam's family. All right. <laughs> so. Anywho. Um... Anything else to add on it? No, I okay. think I'm done now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was. I think, a, I'm, I, think it, I think I'm sending it, all this equipment it, back. It was. It was. <laughs> it was. It was Podcast a, over, everybody. I killed it. it was, I did. I've it, done my duty. Friendship over. It was. It was a good rant and thorough. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about what we're doing next week. We are going to see Kingsman Two. What's what's the full name of it? Kingsman 2, The Golden Circle. The Golden ah, Circle. Yes. And then we are also covering another Coppola film, which is Apocalypse Now. And Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. If you've never seen Apocalypse Now and you want to listen along with us, like I said, this we're trying to make it a little more hands-on. We're, we're, we're also going to minorly discuss the first Kingsman film, too. Yeah, a little bit. And I've never seen it, so I'm going to check that out yeah. as well. And then if you haven't seen that as well, uh, check it out this week and then go see Kingsman, because you know, you're saying it's... Top notch. What'd you say? It was like a mix between James Bond and what else? Like I, I, I literally said because it's a Matthew Vaughn. If if you liked Kick Ass, mm. and then you'd like that to be comically <clears throat> woven into the world of James Bond, Kingsman's the movie for you. <laughs> but yeah, we're also going to be covering Apocalypse Now, which also happens to feature Marlon Brando and a young Larry Fishburne, <laughs> as he was known at that. Ah, point. yes. Oh yeah. But uh, and Robert Duvall and <laughs> yeah and, and Bob Duvall. I, li- I like to just uh, that, that's Bobby a Duvall, uh, Mar- 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 Martinez Sheen, um, Martin- Martinez Estevez. That is a birth certificate name. So. Thank you, Clay. Clay is here to defend all of the people from Central America. I don't know. This <laughs> what? I have no idea. Okay, I, I guess I, yeah, we had time. I'm prepared to do that. I uh, didn't necessarily didn't, come with that in mind. Didn't but sign up for it. Here I am. No, but uh, yeah, that wraps it up for this week. Definitely check out Apocalypse Now. Check out The Kingsman. This has been Big Screen and Brews. Thank you for yeah. having me, guys. Oh, definitely. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. This is oh, yeah. Big Screen and Brews. With Jared and Jared. I'm Jared Buck, and I'm Jared Newmaster. Thank you for listening. <laughs>